0: If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Well, we have been going through a series on the wisdom literature, so this is like Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Job, Ecclesiastes tonight. We're going to hit uh, Ecclesiastes. And so I assume everybody knows what Ecclesiastes means. No, nobody knows what Ecclesiastes means. Uh, And I'm not even going to tell you what it means because uh, I I was just thinking about this while uh, we were uh, singing the last song in worship. I was thinking, this is something I forgot to research what does Ecclesiastes mean? So uh, that's going to be my homework for uh, you know this upcoming week. Maybe I'll get it um, by next week, and you know we can all figure out what Ecclesiastes means. So um, this is one of the ways in which I read the book as I was reading through it. It's it it is as though you are a manual laborer. You're working hard, completing some physically demanding task, and your boss comes along and tells you that in reality, he would rather be doing physical manual, hard manual labor rather than doing all of the paperwork, meeting with customers, and, and you know dealing with Uh, all of the stresses of running the business. And you're sitting there as a manual labor, saying to yourself, no way. That guy is lying through his teeth. Of course, it's better to be the guy getting all the windshield time, driving around town, meeting with customers because you're not having to exhaust yourself physically in order to complete tasks. And so you're thinking that guy is out of his mind. Well, as we uh, read Ecclesiastes, it is tempting for us to have that kind of perspective because Solomon is going to say things like, for example, um, having wealth is meaningless, pursuing wealth is just meaningless. And from our perspective, Solomon is, is so extraordinarily wealthy it's very difficult for us to actually receive that as a message. Uh, as scholars look at all of, all of what Solomon did, uh, the income that is listed for him in the scriptures and other historical sources, they have decided that uh, Solomon was personally worth somewhere north of $500 billion. So... Some of you are probably familiar with uh, Mr. Bezos, whose net worth is climbing rapidly right now as Amazon is uh, shooting through the roof. Their stock is anyways, and the value of that company is going way up. But he, was, he is nothing compared to uh, the wealth of Solomon. So uh, Israel is a relatively small country. But just imagine if uh, Donald Trump, for example, was not just... Uh, a billionaire himself, but actually sort of like owned America. This is the kind of wealth that we are talking about. And so for somebody like that to say money is meaningless, wealth is meaningless, it seems a little bit out of touch for us, doesn't it? Well, I spent uh, some years developing a contracting business and Uh, I started off as a laborer and then I kind of worked myself up to a supervisor and then at some point started, uh, helped start a business and and, uh, got into a situation where I was that guy driving around, dealing with customers, running the business. And I never thought it was possible, but I did actually get to the point where I thought, you know what? I would rather just be doing physical, manual labor, doing simple things and, um, you know, being that guy who doesn't have to worry about all of this. So from that perspective, I could kind of see what Solomon is saying and how he um, is actually being authentic in what he is saying in the book of Ecclesiastes because he's he's been there. He's done that. He's experienced all of that. And his conclusion is, this stuff is meaningless. Um, we're gonna see that as we open up to Ecclesiastes chapter one. And we're gonna see him use this word, um, it, in English, meaningless. Uh, it means uh, like a vapor or smoke, or maybe it's a uh, a way that uh, they would have described wind, uh, or an enigma, something that's. Uh, Very paradoxical, uh, where it it seems one way, but it turns out to be another way. We've probably all uh, experienced that kind of thing in different areas of life. Maybe we've gone through an experience, and at the end of it, we've said, well, that was worthless, or that was meaningless, or that was just out of place. So that's how this begins. Ecclesiastes 1 And uh, starting in verse one, it says, These are the words of the teacher, King David's son who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get from all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. So Solomon, just through the book of Ecclesiastes, is just bringing up all of these different things that are just meaningless at the end of the day. So one of the questions we ask ourselves as we go through the book of Ecclesiastes is, what is it really worth spending our time on? Maybe you've asked yourself uh, this question in your own life. If you haven't, I would certainly recommend it to you. Uh, I actually have a, a, a list, like a note on my phone that's labeled possible pursuits because I have an entrepreneurial mindset and I'm always getting ideas about ways in which I could spend my time. I have a massive list. I have at least 50 different things on my list of things that I could possibly pursue that I think are very good ideas, ways that I could make money ways that I could have influence and impact, ways that I could invest in other people, have all these different things that come into my mind about how I could potentially spend my time. The reason I have that list is because I want to make sure that I am pursuing the things that truly are valuable, that truly matter, that are not meaningless, things that are not a vapor. So... Solomon talks about a variety of things. He talks about uh, certain relationships. He talks about money, pursuing wealth, pursuing possessions. He talks about uh, pursuing um, political power. He talks about the rise and the fall uh, of nations uh, being meaningless. I'm sure if he was uh, in our culture, in our setting, he would say something like, it doesn't really matter who wins, the Democrats or the Republicans. It's all meaningless. It's a vapor. It's a temporary thing because the sun is going to continue to do its thing. The rivers, the water system, it's going to continue to do its thing. Like earth, creation, all the things that God has set in motion, all of God's purposes, they're just going to continue to go regardless of whatever political movement seems to be winning or losing at a particular time. So, Uh, what are are Solomon's conclusions, right? I mean, if you read through this, it's actually, it can be kind of depressing. In fact, Solomon says that he himself got depressed over just thinking about how temporary things are. And in some cases, how how wrong things seem to be from time to time. For example, sometimes it doesn't go right It doesn't go well for the person who's doing the right thing. Every once in a while, people who are doing the right thing, it doesn't go well for them. It turns out to be actually bad for them. There's all kinds of mysteries or enigmas, paradoxes in our world. And I'm sure that if we were to give some thought about how our own life has gone, there will be some things that we'd say, what? I'm not sure. About that, I don't understand that. I don't get that. Um, I think that's, you know, it's a paradox. There's something going on. Here's an example. This is sort of his, his big final complaint in uh, chapters nine and 10. Solomon complains about the fact that everybody dies. Everybody dies. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. Here, whether it doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how smart you are, doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how productive you were, how many people respected you, everybody dies. He says, We're no better off than the animals. We have, God has given us the same fate as mere animals. At the end of the day, we all die. Uh, When I was in high school, I remember my youth pastor saying often, science is proven. One out of every one person dies. And, uh, you know, he was trying to be funny and fatalistic at the same time, Uh, but that has stuck in my mind. This is our common fate. This is what our existence is. Certainly people are, trying to research ways and find ways not to die, but it's not looking really promising. It just seems like that is a definite part of the human experience that we live for a while and then we die. So you can see how Solomon might have gotten depressed just thinking about how things were so what are his conclusions? Uh, you know, is there a glimmer of hope? What does he say? Um, verse 24 in chapter two, we start to get a glimpse of how Solomon would have us live in spite of or in light of or in the midst of the way we find Human existence to be it says so. I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God, for who can eat or enjoy anything apart from Him? God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please Him. So I'm going to kind of break that down here just a little bit have us think through that. And this is kind of a a reoccurring theme. I'll give you another example. Uh, Chapter five, starting in verse 18, it says, even so, I have noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. We sang that phrase earlier, whatever my lot, it is well, it is well with my soul. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. So Solomon's been thinking about all of these things and he's actually, he has dove into a variety of ways in which people try to, uh, find meaning, and so, uh, for example, he had uh, seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines it 's amazing that he died a natural death, but he did, but you could you would certainly say in that arena he he achieved the highest level of of uh, what the world would present as pleasure in that area. Uh, On the architectural side, uh, you know, if you like to build things, Solomon built an extraordinary number of incredible things. He built one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the temple in Jerusalem. So not a lightweight when it comes to architectural design, uh, not a lightweight when it comes to like being productive in, in terms of, you know, look what I have done. So in terms of achievements, Solomon was absolutely amazing at that. Was, I was obviously a, a very hard worker, a diligent worker. And so um, was really impressive in terms of his productivity. After all these things, though, he sees that they are meaningless Um, partying. Solomon, he talks about, uh, I believe it's chapter two. He talks about diving deep into revelry, into partying. And guess who could throw the ultimate party? Solomon. He has all of the resources. He has on an annual basis, uh, $1.5 billion worth of gold just coming into him from revenue off of his, uh, his trade ships. He's, at this point in history, uh, Israel is one of, one of only two kingdoms that have a, uh, a naval fleet that goes and does trading around the world. And so every year he's getting one and a half billion dollars just in gold that's just above everything else. So he could throw a serious party. So he has dove into all of these things. And at the end of it, he says, you know what? There's only one thing that I've found that's actually good. And that is to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. And this is a, uh, a description of the simplest of things a description of leading and living a very simple life, but making a decision to enjoy those things. And how is it that somebody would make that decision? He says, Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God, for who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? So his statement essentially is, the thing that is good is being content with what God has given you. That's why later on in chapter 5, the, the uh, verses I read earlier, he says, uh, during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. You might be interested to know that 75% of people, this is like um, sort of a, a universal stat that's been used from, or, you know, for. Uh, I don't know, probably 50 years by a variety of inspirational speakers. I have no idea if it's actually true. I've just heard it a bunch of times. Uh, But uh, the statistic is 75% of people are dissatisfied with their jobs. And that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be they don't like their boss, they don't like their coworkers, or they don't like what they're actually doing. I think the number one reason, this is just my theory, but I think the number one reason why people are dissatisfied with their jobs is because they've made a decision not to be content, which is one of the statements that Solomon makes about humanity. Uh, I read that earlier. Chapter one, he says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content." So this is the thing that Solomon has found that is good. To enjoy the simple things that God has provided for us. To be in a trusting relationship with God that what he has given us is all that we need. Um, He says some other things about uh, what is good. Later on, he says, so go ahead, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart for God approves of this. Wear fine, clothes and splat and a, or wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Isn't that interesting? And here you thought, you know, Christians were just curmudgeons. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to be having a fantastic time. We are supposed to be enjoying life, every moment of life, every bit of life, because we know that God has provided these things for us and our lives are a celebration of what he has provided. And we are content in any and every situation, right? now we're getting into the New Testament where Paul says, I've learned to be content in all scenarios. That's not an exact quote, but this call to contentment. Solomon goes on to say, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is a reward for all your earthly toil. Whatever you do, do well, for when you go to the grave, there will be no more work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. So he he throws in human relationships and enjoying each other. And he uses uh, the the marriage as an example. Of course, uh, you know, a great example of a close human relationship, certainly something that we enjoy. And we enjoy human relationships best if we understand, if we're content with our relationship with God. So, At the end, uh, chapter 11, by the way, there's some uh, just really uh, fantastic, uh, just general wisdom. I'll give you an example. Um, This section is titled, The Uncertainties of Life. And how many of us could say, since March especially, uh, that there's been a lot of uncertainty just swirling around. And so uh, maybe, uh, you know, these are some ideas to think of. It says, send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. So if you're just looking for some general wisdom about how to walk through uncertainty, well invest in a variety of different places and areas, uh, whether it's relationally or financially or whatever the case might be. It says, when the clouds are heavy, the rains come down, whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. I have no idea what that means. That's another uh, homework project for me. Uh, Here's one for us though. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Now that's, that one's a little bit easier for us, right? Um, basically, don't wait around for uh, you know, the world to be a perfect place in order for us to go forward and operate, go forward with boldness and courage and live well in our worlds. I just think those are um, good things for us to hear in these times of uncertainty. Most of the people I talk to have some level of anxiety about what is going to happen next. And of course, and as Ecclesiastes says, um, you know, here it is, chapter 10 and verse 14. No one really knows what is going to happen. No one can predict the future, right? We know this. So how do we prepare for the future? Uh, we, we do these things. We invest ourselves in a variety of different areas and we don't wait for things to be perfect. We don't hold back uh, and wait for you know, the ideal scenario to move. All right, uh, at the end of Ecclesiastes, my goal, by the way, is that you would take some time on your own and just read through this book and ask yourself the question, okay, what is the most valuable way for me to spend my time, because there's lots of possibilities, right? There's video games, there's classwork if you're a student. Uh, there's, you know, we can put in extra time in our careers, we can try to advance ourselves in our careers, we can throw ourselves into uh, relationships and, and try to build deeper friendships, uh, we can start a business, we can do all kinds of different things with our time. What is actually the best way to spend our time? So it's it's an incredibly important question to ask. Chapter twelve begins Solomon's conclusion. Uh, So uh, this is uh, you know we get the idea that this is written at the end of his life. So he's gone through it all, and he's reflecting, and he's trying to you know talk to his younger self, as we would all dream of doing. And so he says, one of the things he says, starting in chapter 12, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. And isn't this easy, right? When we're young, and of course I'm still very young, so I have to uh, caution myself in this, but uh, there are, there's just so many ways that we can seek fulfillment and significance. There are so many things that look meaningful to us they appear to be meaningful to us but once we grasp them we realize it's like it's like sand it's like a vapor like oh i thought that was meaningful but as i tried to to grasp it as i tried to you know to lock it in as something meaningful no i found that it was it was actually nothing that thing that i wanted that achievement that I achieved, that relationship that I gained, ah, turned out to be just meaningless. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. And his final words are this. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So here's the uh, you know, the fire and brimstone uh, part at the end of my sermon. And uh, you know this is the part where we say, listen, at some point, we're gonna stand before God as our creator and as our judge. He is gonna know everything that has gone on in our lives, even more so than we ourselves, because he's gonna know precisely what our, our motives have been as we have said everything we've said, as we've done everything we've done, and as we've thought everything that we have thought. We're gonna stand before him. And so that alone, that alone should cause us to do all that we can to follow the way that God has prescribed for us. But before we get too far into just living out of fear. That is not the intent of the book of Ecclesiastes, and that is not what Solomon sees as being good. What he sees as being good is for uh, us to come to a place where we trust that what God has provided, where we trust the situation that God has put us in is the situation that he wants us to be in, that he has for us, and that there is a way in that situation to be content. One of the things uh, that uh, he says in the book of Ecclesiastes is not to long for the good old days. And when I read that, I was uh, especially convicted because uh, all I've been thinking about through the season of COVID is, I can't wait until this is over. Let's get back to normal. And I'm sure you've probably thought that same thing as well. And so when I read that uh, proverb in the book of Ecclesiastes, I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Why should I not be longing for the good old days? I mean, we call them the good old days for a reason, because they were good. And as I thought about it more, I thought, wait a minute. God is behind the scenes moving things along. God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one who is putting me and us and our nation in this situation. And so rather than longing for the good old days, my job and where the joy in life is and where meaningful, where, where significance and where, where a meaningful life is, is being content with the place that God has put me in that's where I'm going to find true meaning. So hopefully uh, on your own, as you think about this question, uh, where's the most valuable, how's the most valuable way for me to spend my time? What is the most meaningful thing for me to pursue? Hopefully at the top of that list is to enjoy who God has made you to be, where God has placed you, what God has given you, you know, your lot in life, the personality that he's given you, all that God has put into your life. May you be satisfied fully with those things. May you trust God fully with how he has placed you in your lot. Let's pray. Father, uh, we pray that you would help us Uh, courageously trust you uh, with all that is going on in our lives, with whatever comes our way. We think about Job who was given total chaos as a life and how he found satisfaction and fulfillment and joy through all of that. We think about Horatio Spafford as Krista mentioned earlier and told his story. Whatever my lot, Father, help us to say it is well, it is well with my soul. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you joining us. If you wanna stand, I'm gonna close with a benediction. Uh, From 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks, and this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the Events tab at our website, AwakenAlaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.